Well, hello and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing program services and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person. On this edition of The Conversation, we're talking with Tanisha Cox. She is the volunteer manager with the Department of Family Services, Domestic and Sexual Violence Services. She's here today to talk with us about the agency's robust volunteer program. Denisha, thanks for being here on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim. Oh, absolutely. Looking forward to the uh, to the conversation. And uh, I, I mentioned robust volunteer program. That's something we're going to be talking about. But is that accurate? Robust volunteer program? Yeah, I think that that's pretty accurate. That summarizes it perfectly, I think. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute and talk about what makes it robust and uh, volunteer opportunities and what the volunteers actually do. But first, let's kind of set this up a little bit. Domestic and sexual violence services. Perhaps folks by the name of the agency can kind of get a feel for what it does, but what is DSVS? Um, So um, domestic and sexual violence services, as you mentioned, um, falls under the umbrella of the Department of Family Services. And we offer an array of comprehensive programs for women, men, teens, and children who have been affected by domestic and sexual violence, stalking, and human trafficking. Um, Our services um, are um, for residents um, that live or work in Fairfax County, the city of Fairfax, Falls Church, the town of Vienna, and the town of Herndon. Okay. So kind of transitioning that to the volunteer, I'm thinking wow, you've got a tough job because it's a tough environment for full-time staff to work with domestic and sexual violence um, arena. But then you're, you're trying to get volunteers to, to volunteer to, to be in that area. How, how does that work? Um, so, I mean, we are a small team, but our reach is big because of the support of our dedicated volunteers. We're a team of about 46, most of which are um, full-time staff. Um, at current, we have 103 active volunteers that serve with us in a number of capacities. Um, they help us um, with crisis intervention for our 24-hour hotline. Um, um, they also use that as an opportunity to share resources related to domestic violence, sexual violence, human trafficking, and stalking. Um, mainly, and a large part of that is also providing emotional support. Oftentimes when the callers call our hotline, it's the first time that they're disclosing um, the forms of abuse that I just described. Um, They also help us provide hospital accompaniment, which is for um, survivors who want to undergo a forensic exam following um, a domestic violence or sexual assault. Um, They help us with court accompaniment for survivors that are going through the civil um, court system and that something along like protective court orders as an example. Um, they help us with re- reviewing bills that impact the work that we do. Um, they help us co-facilitate our anger and treatment program, which is an 18-week um, program that focuses on emotional regulation with a compassionate um, focus, really, you know, helping them build compassion for themselves and others in an effort to prevent further domestic violence um, um, situation. So our volunteers help us with everything, but there's no way that we could do the work that we do without the help of them. 
Right. Yeah, it sounds like at over a hundred volunteers, that that is that does sound robust. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like a great volunteer core. Uh, I've got an assumption here, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping that maybe it's a wrong one. I'm assuming that the majority of your volunteers have experienced some form of domestic or sexual violence. Is is that true or not true? Um, that is an interesting question. I think, you know, oftentimes, um, in particular folks that get into the, the field of social service that, you know, they do it because they've experienced it or someone that they're connected to has experienced it in some way. And I think that that remains true with a lot of our volunteers. Some of them have not had any experience and they just want to give back and serve their community. But a lot of them have had their own personal experiences or someone close to them has experienced um, domestic violence or sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. A lot of folks just, um, you know, have a, a good heart and want to give back. Um, is there any kind of demographic breakdown of volunteers that you've seen, male, female, um, ethnic background, et cetera? What, what can you tell us about the current volunteer corps? That's a good question. Um, I think we do have a, a pretty diverse volunteer roster um, in terms of the cultural backgrounds, I think a large part of our volunteers are women. We have, um, you know, a nice amount of men that serve with us as well, but a large part of our volunteer rosters are women. So um, what have you um, observed, learned um, from the different parts of the volunteer program, the, the different things that you discussed earlier about what your volunteers are doing, is the, the temperament needed? And, and is it different for the different parts of the, the volunteers program that you would be looking for? Um, does that make yes, sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to, to respond to that based on my understanding. Um, I think that for all of the roles that I described, and that was just you know me naming a few, I'm not even sure I include it all. Um, I think we definitely need, um, the volunteers need to have compassion regardless of the work um, that that they're doing. One, if they're calling the hotline as an example, and as I mentioned earlier, it can, they can be engaging a caller that has just disclosed um, abuse for the first time. But even a volunteer that goes out to do outreach with us for a table and event, um, someone that's walking past can disclose, you know, um, which I've experienced that myself. So you never know in any of the roles that you would serve with us what you would encounter. So they will all need to be compassionate, good listeners, um, um, re ready to be, to respond quick on their feet and remain calm, um, know how to take care of themselves too, because, you know, sometimes you can interact with something and it just triggers a deep emotion within yourself that you may not necessarily have prepared for. Um, so if I can just, you know, pinpoint those main characteristics, it would be those, all of which our volunteers have. And those are things you can't teach, right? Like we provide them with um, ongoing training, following them, um, being onboarded. They go through an extensive um, training before they assume the role. And then once they begin to serve with us, we train several times a year. So, you know, the characteristics that I mentioned earlier, you can't teach that, you know, we can teach um, or support them with 
resources or um, give self-care tools when they're triggered um, with a call, but general things like compassion and being a good listener and being able to engage someone that's in a high state of emotion. Those aren't things that you could always teach someone. Um, So I think our volunteers come with that naturally. Yeah. You you mentioned uh, training and I'm assuming there's a, uh, quite a bit of training that goes in uh, before someone is actually onboarded onto the team. Does that require like uh, background checks, et cetera, for, for volunteers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, once a, a volunteer is connected um, to me, um, we set them up for orientation, which we host in the spring and fall seasons. Um, and we share a little bit about DSVS, our volunteer program, what our opportunities are in the recruitment process, which includes a criminal background check and a CPS background check. Um, and then we have a series of trainings that follow after that, starting with our tier one training, which really teaches volunteers the basic dynamics of domestic violence, the criminal and civil justice system, and responding to these crimes, um, and also sharing the resources that are available to us in our community. And then following that, they will have specialized training depending on the opportunity that they're interested in. Is there a way to ballpark the number of hours of training that's involved, or does it depend on which kind of volunteer path they go down? It would, where tier one in itself is um, a 16-hour training. Um, so they go through that. I want to say maybe somewhere about 40 hours, depending on the opportunity that they've selected at minimum, um, 18 because of tier one. So tier, tier one is just, you you get your foot in the door to be a volunteer and then there's Mm -hmm. other specialized training, depending on which way you go. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, did I hear you early on correctly that talked about the 24-hour domestic and sexual violence hotline. And please don't let me forget, I want to make sure we get that telephone number out at some point before I let you go. But um, the 24-hour domestic and sexual violence hotline, is that fully staffed by volunteers? So our staff man that during the day um, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and volunteers um, pick up the line for us from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. Um, and every day we transfer the line at 11 p.m. to our um, um, the Artemis House, which is the emergency shelter that we partner with. And what about weekends? Do the volunteers handle weekends? or? Yes, I'm sorry about that. So they also um, man the hotline for us on weekends and holidays um, all day up until 11 p.m. Okay, wow. that That is a huge commitment. But I Volunteers, when they sign up or, and they go through the training to, to be on the call center, is it um, a mixture? In other words, I guess I'm trying to ask, you know, can someone say, well, I'd like to work the Friday afternoon night shift, one, one month, uh, one day a month, or is it a requirement to work more shifts or, or do you have flexibility? That's a good question. So yes, we are um, flexible. We understand that they are donating their time to us um, at orientation, you know, based on the opportunity they select, we do let them know that there is a minimum number of hours, you know, for each particular opportunity in which we need them. So using the hotline as an example, we ask volunteers to commit to two shifts per month, each that each are three hours. Um, if they want to select more hours, then, you know, for sure we could, you know, we could benefit 
from the help, but ideally they would at least serve for that minimum amount of time. Um, in terms of the days, you know, you know, as I said, because we know that they're donating their time, if they say I'm only available on Fridays and Saturdays, then, and if they can do that every Friday and Saturday or two Fridays and Saturdays a month, then we'll have them on a recurring calendar. Um, if that, if that's what works. And if, if that is also the need that we have, um, we've also noticed that while our staff man the hotline, um, during the day, that sometimes there's a need for, hotline volunteers during the day to provide our staff with relief so they can go through their own trainings and they can attend staff meetings and um, and at, focus on their own professional growth and development. So if we have, you know, a stay-at-home mom, as an example, that really wants to support the hotline or while we promote the need for evenings and weekends, we could also use the help during the day. So we're looking at what the volunteers um needs are as well as our own and try to make it work for everyone. So there's always some flexibility. Right. Kind of like a respite care for the the SVS worker, if you will. Right. Yep. Yep. We're talking with Tanisha Cox. She is the volunteer manager with the Department of Family Services, Domestic and Sexual Violence Services. And we're talking about the DSVS volunteer program before we get too far down uh, our interview, because we had just been talking about kind of the specialized area of training and what it takes to kind of work on the 24-hour hotline, um, go ahead and give us that telephone number for the hotline, if you will. Absolutely. So that number is 703-360-7273. Again, that number is 703-360-7273. Why, why would or why should someone call that 24-hour domestic and sexual violence uh, hotline? Is there a trigger? Is there some, uh, something that maybe happened to that person? What, what, in other words, why would a person need or why would a person, why should a person call that 24-hour hotline? They could have experienced um, physical or sexual abuse at the time. They could themselves have harmed someone and want to talk through that. I think oftentimes people think the hotline is just for um, victims and survivors, but it's also for folks who've harmed someone else and they want someone that's going to, you know, talk them through um, what led to that and offer support and services. Um, they could call because someone that they're close to has experienced some form of violence and they want to know what resources available to them. They could call because they're interested in volunteering. Um, so they can call a hotline for a number of things. Okay. All right. So again, that hotline 703-360-7273. And again, that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. So whenever you need someone, you can call that number. I think we uh, did a pretty good job of uh, kind of talking about the hotline, the volunteer staff, and, and some of those uh, type areas. And I know you kind of gave a good overview of some of the different things that volunteers uh, can do and already doing for uh, your agency. But, but talk a little bit about, I think there's like a certified domestic violence intervention program. Um, and I think volunteers can also be involved in that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Is that the anger, domestic and abuse prevention treatment program you're describing, Jim? I think it is. Yes. 
Okay. Um, so that is an 18 week, um, domestic violence intervention program for adults who have, um, physically, verbally, emotionally, um, harmed a spouse, a partner, a child, a parent, or other family member, um, and participants right now, those groups are, remain virtual and they're taught to prevent abuse through, um, de- developing compassion for themselves and others. And they use a teal called Heals by, um, the doctor's name, last name is Stasny. Um, and every week they go through, um, developing, um, these skills really mainly on regulating their emotions, um, learning what what led to them making these decisions, talking about their core values. Um, and then in the end, they describe um, the event that occurred. And, you know, in in that event, what they learned from going through this experience with us, um, they have a portion of the training where they write a letter um, to the person that, that they have harmed. Um, so, you know, really, it's a you call it an anger treatment program, but it's, it's so much more than that. Um, I think the volunteers and the participants and the staff are fed through that experience. Um, the groups meet in English and Spanish. Um, it is our only service where there's a cost that's associated um, with it because it is a batter intervention and state certified program. Uh, you mentioned cost. How much does it cost? Um, so at current, the cost is for um, is 450 for residents of the county and 600 if you reside outside of the county. But if they have a financial um, concern, then we, we, we look at supporting that in some way. OK, and this this is an 18 week um, class or course. How many times is it offered uh, throughout the year? So, um, partic- it's one time a week. Um, they would, and, but the classes are offered throughout the week. Um, so while they would go through this 18 week period with the same participants, we also understand life happens. So that way, right. if there is a disruption in the schedule and they miss some sort of instruction, then they can attend another class and still get what they missed, if that makes sense. Sure. And, and the 18 week sessions. Are they offered just once a year or two times a year, three times a year? How many times are the the full 18-week? Um, They're offered throughout the year um, and, and, and sometimes simultaneously. So, you know, staff can be facilitating groups throughout the week. Um, and volunteers are able to take a break, too. Let me insert that, too, because sometimes you hear the 18-week period and it sounds like while it is a sizable commitment, they're not going straight through. So um, they will, they could do a 18 week course with us, take a break, you know, for a little bit and then, and come back because these classes are offered throughout the year. You mentioned also earlier on the uh, accompaniment services, um, going with victims to the hospital or uh, maybe going with them to court dates, those type of things. Um, a question that, that kind of came to the back of my mind, I was thinking about uh, the volunteer would then of course, obviously need their own transportation but are they going to be transporting uh, the person they're accompanying uh, in, in any of those cases? No, they, they do not. They will meet them at the facility, you know, that they're, um, they're going to. So um, if it's a hospital accompaniment, they will meet them at the hospital or the offsite um, forensic assessment, assessment um, department. Or, you know, if they're doing a court accompaniment, then they will meet that um, survivor at the courthouse. We don't transport victims. 
And I know we've we focused a lot on uh, you know the domestic and sexual violence services and you know what what happens with those victims and then how the volunteers interact with them either at the call center, the hospital accompaniment, the court program, et cetera. You've mentioned the outreach activities before, but let's not overlook the you know I'll put air quotes here the mundane administrative task and those mm-hmm. type of things that you're needing volunteers for as well. Yeah. So, you know, our volunteers help uh, put packets together. We're, we're training um, professionals. They help when we, we were having volunteers um, in person, they will help answer, um, respond to um, visitors at our DVAC um, office. They help us um so training, surveys, answering, whatever it is that, that we that we need, our volunteers are always readily available. We have, I think, at current, maybe four volunteers that are focused on helping us with admin um, tasks um, in addition to our admin team. All right. Can always use more, though, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You, you mentioned an acronym there a minute ago. I want you to explain it. DVAC. Yeah, so that is our Domestic Violence Action Center, um, which is a a collated service center and is staffed by um, county staff and local community nonprofit partners. Um, And really, most of our advocates are housed there. Um, A couple of our crisis line specialists are housed there. um, And the folks who support um, victim survivors through the court accompaniment process. Right. I think also our housing economic um, coordinators also housed in that in that um, unit as well. Our listeners have heard us conversing about the you know the robust volunteer program that uh, DSVS has and you know maybe we've hopefully we've piqued their interest in volunteering. What's what's the first step that someone should take? So if they are interested they can go to um, fairfaxcounty.gov, our main website, and just do a general search of domestic and sexual violence um, services. And they should see my contact information appear. They can um, shoot me a quick email expressing their interests, and then I will respond, walking them through our um, the, the process. Um, they can reach out to me directly at um, Tanisha, T-A-N-I-S-H-A dot Cox at fairfaxcounty.gov. Um, and then I can walk them through what the process is. And once we do that, as I mentioned, then we will set them up for orientation and begin um, onboarding. And if someone uh, wants to uh, call, I think you've got a couple of telephone numbers you can provide. Absolutely. So they can call me directly at 703-383-4009, or they can call our main line at 703-324-5730. Again, those numbers are 703-383-4009 or 703-324-5730. All right. Tanisha, final thought as we kind of bring this podcast to an end, closing out, uh, what would you want our listeners to know about the volunteer program with Domestic and Sexual Violence Services? Um, I would want them to know that, you know, our volunteers are really an integral part of the work that we do. Um, you know, towards our prevention and, and, and hopefully putting an end to domestic and sexual violence, um, stalking and human trafficking that really this provides the 
the members of the community to serve and give back their community in a meaningful way. And because we offer um, programs throughout the county that they can serve in areas where they both um, live, work, and socialize. Um, and, you know, we hope that they'll reach out to learn more about our mission and the work that we do. And I look forward to serving the community with them. All right. Sounds good. And I should also mention that uh, in addition to all the training and other things you do for the volunteers, you also have a, uh, I believe, monthly newsletter, Volunteer Voices, that uh, provides a lot of good information and, and things like that for the volunteers you have in your program. So uh, kudos for that. Tanisha, thanks for being on the podcast with us today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me, Jim. It's been a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Tanisha Cox with us, again, volunteer uh, manager with uh, DSVS. And uh, thanks to her again for joining us. And thanks to you for listening to this edition of the County Conversation. If you want to get more Fairfax County news, visit fairfaxcounty.gov slash news. Or you can call 703-Fairfax. That's 703 7329. That's weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Again, thanks for joining us on the County Conversation podcast produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government.